You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3 AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3 AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the 3 a.m. podcast where we tell scary stories. My name's DJ. My name's Charlie. And my name is Sean. And it's stimulus check day. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> fun, fun. Money. <laughs> Give me monies. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who's uh, listened, but gone the extra mile and became a patron. A patron. A patron. A patron. That's the right verbiage. Uh, thank you for, thank you to all our patrons out there. Um, we hope you're enjoying the bonus content weekly. Only starts at eight quarters a month, folks. So. Uh, Shout special- out Ikaika, Hiona, Dana, Mitch the Snitch, Eric Rodriguez. I think that's it. Lately. Also, this dude named Ryan who became a patron and then unsubbed a few minutes after i saw that <laughs> just calling you out bro <laughs> make up your mind <laughs> all goods jk jk um how's everyone doing i'm good man i'm also good like you said it's stimulus day yeah did y'all get your checks yeah dude what do you oh is that a new t-shirt did yeah you buy dude. that with your stimulus money today 
<laughs> no, I seen it. It's the same material as those other ones that I really like because mm-hmm. they're hella stretchy, bro. <laughs> All right, hit us. Who's got a question? <laughs> I got a question, but it was actually posed to all of our listeners on Instagram today. Oh, nice. I'm going to share some of the, our answers. Oh, dope. So we asked earlier today, what are some of your favorites right now? It's crazy times. Wanted to, I wanted everyone to think of like, you know, what they appreciate still. Favorites? Favorites. Like anything? Anything. Oh, just like what's getting you through the day? What's getting you through the day? And share them with us because, you know, we need some favorites too. So some of our answers came back. Bike rides. Nice. I like those too. 3 a.m., Tiger King and Ozark. <laughs> What's the common denominator between those three? Uh, crazy people. <laughs> Joe Exotic over here. <laughs> uh, somebody answered hot bread from Outback. <laughs> I see you. Specific. The pumpernickel? I see you, dude. <laughs> Another answer for memes. <laughs> memes carried the previous decade. <laughs> single-handedly it was like the one true constant did i ever tell you like when i got home from living in australia for two years and i was unplugged the whole time so i wasn't like staying hip on whatever and i get back and i'm asking my friend like yo what's cool like what's the new thing And he's like bro dude there's these things called memes and i was like okay okay what's that (laughs) and he's like dude the funniest thing in the world okay what is it dude tell me and he's like okay so like there's these pictures, and they have words on them. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm not explaining it. Uh, think of like um, the guy from Willy Wonka, the Chocolate Factory, and he's like this, and it's like he, you say something, and he's like, "Oh, really? Tell me more." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I missed out on this. Sounds Heaps. great." <laughs> yeah. In the past two years. And then slowly they became my life and humor. So yeah, yeah, no, I got the same thing after. I'm sure you did too. Oh yeah, after being in the Philippines, unplugged for two years, coming back, came back memes to and memes. Instagram. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Instagram was like my friend. She brought it to me. She's like, "You post pictures, and that's it." <laughs> and like, where's your profile song? <laughs> what do you? Who's where's your, your top, top eight? <laughs> yeah. Where's Tom? <laughs> Uh, with the whole like mean thing, I have younger siblings and now that I'm like 30, I'm hella out of the loop and they're, they're like way more cool than me. So they're talking about stuff. And when they're talking about memes and things like that, it's like, dude, I was there for the beginning. <laughs> I don't know if it's just cause I'm biased, but I swear our generation of like late twenties and early thirties truly saw the middle between old world and new world. Oh yeah. 100%. Technology. I remember dial dial up. Internet. Oh, yeah. I remember phone books. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Land calling lines. from pay phones. Yeah. Like being stuck somewhere like at the mall and calling my mom on 1-800-COLLECT. Bro, oh, I remember yeah. MapQuest, dog. Oh, yeah, dude. My dad still uses <laughs> MapQuest. Pr- pr- did you, you print them out? <laughs> uh-huh. Take them with you? Yeah. That was revolutionary at the time. Oh, yeah. You could find your way around. You had to, I, you had I, to kill like 15 trees to go to like the supermarket. <laughs> it's going to pin out like 67 pages. And then it's like a CVS receipt where it still has the 20 different things after. <laughs> wow. Anyway. You're like, right though. Being, being bored. 
Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Not having options. You had like two things to watch. Now we have every option, but we're still bored. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Hit me with us some more. So somebody answered on my block. Yo, I like that one. I'm about that one as well. It's somebody, a good show. somebody answered the devil's lettuce. <laughs> That's getting I know some people that through the days too. <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, what? It's like, it's like. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way we could have made that funnier. <laughs> so. It's like. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you ever been to dare class? Yeah. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Also, somebody answered with a question in it as well. He said, oh, and going back to the topic of candy, I love airheads. Thoughts? I'll be honest. I I think airheads are doo-doo caca. (laughs) Nah, dude. If you remember Halloween, we had a huge barrel of candy here in the studio. (laughs) I do remember. Maybe like, I don't know, $80 worth of candy at least. Mm -hmm. But... I was doing a number on those airheads. <laughs> when you whack them back and forth, make them a pillow. Oh, dude. No? Or you twist them. Multicolored. Twist it, bop it. Damn. I didn't know there was like a hidden menu for <laughs> airheads. Secret menu. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Cheat codes for your airheads. Uh, what were you like, going to say? Oh, I was going to say, I have with airheads, but like, it's like, the 10th to the 15th thing I'll pick in, in terms of candy. That's what I'm saying. I think it's more nostalgic to me, and I definitely would pick 10 more things before Airheads. Oh, okay. I see you. I see you. But, yeah. They're not, like, bad. Like, I'll yeah, eat yeah. an Airhead, but I eat everything else before it. I think I've said this before, but chocolate over any type of candy. I'm a chocolate over, like, fruity stuff. Yeah. Same, same. Like, when it gets all stuck in your teeth and whatnot, it's not my favorite. No. But there's a few, though. Dude, life's hard, bro. Like gushers. (laughs) (laughs) Life can be tough, man. True, true. But to kind of wrap that up, I want to pose the question to you guys. What's your favorite right now? Like, what's getting you through the day? What do you look forward to? I'll start off. (laughs) Because I've been thinking about this already. You had some time to think. Yeah, yeah. Bro, what's getting me through the day is... When the sun comes out and I can just go outside, just like get some sunshine, go for a little run, even though I hate myself at the same time. (laughs) I saw a tweet a couple days ago. It was something like, I went outside the other day and because it's illegal, it just hits different. (laughs) (laughs) The sun hits different now that it's illegal. Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, no, that's definitely getting me through the days though. Like being cooped up inside, just like getting outside for a second. Well, the other thing is, if y'all didn't know, and I know for a fact y'all didn't know, <laughs> but Sean has a goal to be completed by when? Um, well, ideally, Ju- July is when I've goaled it for. July to run 100 miles in a week. So, how's that going? Well, I'm on 37 miles this week, hmm. and I'm only supposed to go up by 10% from the previous week. Which was? Uh, 33 Oh, we're already, yeah, so we're already there. Up to 37. Just do nothing the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah, no. But so far, so good. No injuries as of yet. Nice. Hmm. That's wild. I hate running. <laughs> Favorites for me, Animal Crossing right now. <laughs> if you want to follow me, my gamer tag is HP Inkjet 69 <laughs> 
Let's trade some bells. Let's trade some some clothing. Some clams, apparently. Some cl- <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, just got it uh, a few days ago, so I'm still very much a noob. Uh, I don't know, a few albums. Bro, we walk into the studio and DJ's like, guys, <laughs> I have to show you the fish I caught. <laughs> Pulls out his little Nintendo Switch and shows us his little Animal Crossing character. (laughs) Pull a fish out of it. And I was like, oh. (laughs) But it made him happy. So it made me happy. Thanks for indulging me, guys. (laughs) Uh, You guys tell me if I should put this on air. But I illegally went on a road trip. (laughs) Do you think that's chill to say? Wow, dude. Uh, I think that's fine. Okay, here's what's happened. Me and my wife are quarantined. So we've been in our house for the last month. And we get into a car and we drive 11 hours to Oregon to hang out with my wife's mom and dad, my in-laws. Who are also on quarantine. Who are also quarantining. Hmm. So it was Seems like, fine to me. Huh, part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, honestly, on the road, we passed like 600 signs. It was like, stay home, save lives. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. but whatever uh you can judge me if you want but we thought we're adults and we assessed the situation and found it to be a-okay we weren't putting anyone in danger we wore masks we wore gloves when i was filling up gas anyway so i've been in oregon for the last week and every morning i would wake up and the sun was shining and the birds were singing and it was like 65 to 70 outside and i'd go and just sit in the sun dude because it's been winter in Utah, and the sun has been real finicky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan real just spickle. posted uh, on his story, on his personal Instagram, that it's snowing in Montana right now. <laughs> and it's almost like 4th of July. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was awesome. Oregon was great. In-laws are great. I'm really lucky to have good in-laws, so not everyone can say that. I don't know. That's mine. Family. Nice, nice. (laughs) All right. I have a question. See if you guys like it. Have you ever, what's the coolest thing you found? Bro, one time I found a $20 bill. Where, how, when? It was on the ground. It was in quarters in my mom's purse. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was at the gym. Uh, It was just on the ground. I like looked at it, looked around, picked it up held it in my hand for a solid another like minute 30 seconds probably looking around and then no one said anything so i put it in my pocket (laughs) you know that ethical question they always ask you yeah i've done that in real life (laughs) sounds like i lived it (laughs) uh i'm sure there's a better answer but the one that comes to mind right now is when everyone came to hawaii and we went on the hike to the watershed so oh, I guess you can't yeah. say it was really found because we knew I knew about it, but I've it's like ten minutes away from my house, but I've never been there. That's that still counts. So it wasn't like a brand new discovery as far as like I've never knew about it previously. But I don't know. We all went and it was way better than any of us expected. <laughs> <laughs> Super beautiful. It's by uh, if you've ever heard of the Stairway to Heaven hike. If you like hiking, you've probably heard of it. But it's in that valley. Mm-hmm. super beautiful and when we went it ha- it rained the night before so when we got to the watershed it's this huge abandoned building and we in the jungle in the jungle <laughs> yeah just green 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 and we climbed to the top 
and we had a view of the whole valley and we could see all the way out to the ocean. But uh, I think it was still kind of raining up like on the mountaintops. Mm. So it was like waterfalls off the There mountain. were like almost 30 waterfalls in every direction you would turn. So, Bro, that, that whole that time I thought you had been there before. Mm-mm. Bro. But like there's the freeway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're from Hawaii, you know the H3. Taking that, like you see the building. And once in a while, I'd see people on top of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So growing you up, knew was it was like, possible. Yeah. <laughs> That's dope. It was way cool. That was fun. All right. Craziest thing I've ever found is also low-key a miracle. Hmm. Miracle story. Jesus. <laughs> I found God. No. Uh, so when I was 16, my friends say, bro, there's a festival in San Francisco. You got to come with. I'm like, why? Who's playing? Black Star, Sage Francis, Rage Against the Machine, and the Wu-Tang Clan, and Cypress Hill, and like 60 other people. And I was like, I was a huge fan of Rage Against the Machine in high school. So I was like, I'm there. Didn't tell my parents. Ran away. (laughs) Went to San Francisco. (laughs) Had a hotel with like 10 people. And it was the craziest concert I've ever been in my life. I think over like 10,000 people. It was like, it was insane shut down san francisco afterward right raging's machine it was like fight the power Ten thousand people flood san francisco shut it down it was like a mile long people going down roads and you'd hear like and then everyone would just be screaming and climbing things and like Damn. it was anarchy <laughs> several people i was with took mushrooms and one of them had a very bad trip so he had to leave halfway through the show so at one point, I, I, I'm like the caretaker of everyone. I go to find him. How's it nine o'clock? The sky is blue. <laughs> eh, I got it. So I go to find him, and he's near the porta potties that are set up at this festival. And I'm like, oh, I'm here. I might as well go to the bathroom. So I take like 15 steps toward the porta potty, and the ground is soaked in urine <laughs> and feces <laughs> that I sink in. Ew. <laughs> And I, my shoes are completely soaked in piss and shite. And I was sad. So during the revolution in San Francisco, <laughs> I, was sad. I took my shoes off and just like tied them a knot in the string and I threw it over like a line. Mm. And, but I was like, I'm in San Francisco for like two or three more days without shoes. I'm effed. <laughs> and so we went back to the hotel. I slept. I'm seriously stressing. I'm like, I don't have shoes. And I didn't have money, so I can just go buy shoes. You're in high school. So. Yeah. I was poor AF. No shoes. I'm like, this is great. I'm going to have to walk around like a bum. <laughs> so I wake up in the morning. I'm seriously stressing still. I'm talking to my friend. I'm like, I seriously don't know what to do. Like, uh, no one's brought shoes. We get in the elevator. Door closes. Goes down. I'm like, man, I honestly don't know what to do. Door opens of the elevator. And sitting in front of us on the ground is a pair of reef sandals that are like this. And I'm literally standing at the door and I look down and I just slip my left foot in. (laughs) I slip my right foot in and I walk away and I was like. And you turn yourself about. (laughs) (laughs) And all my friends are like. And we just like look around. There's no one there. There's no one in the hall. Someone just disappeared. God bless me with perfect pair of reef sandals. 
I don't understand to this day what happened. Why would that happen? And they were like, play so perfectly. I just stepped into them and walked away. Yeah, it's like you walk. I you did. Skip a. I didn't skip a step at all. I don't know how to explain it. It's truly one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me. That's like my glitch in the Matrix story. Oh, Bro. Wow. Someone was like, all right, here's some sandals. Truly blessed. I know. <laughs> I kept them for a really long time. And rage you did. Yeah. And flip-flops. <laughs> nice, <laughs> dude. <laughs> anyway, that's one of the coolest things I've ever found. That's pretty dope. <laughs> that's fun. Hit it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head my emotions, if that's something that you're needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3 a.m. and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And now we roll our 20-sided die to see who tells stories in what order. Highest goes first. One. Okay. Fifteen. Two. <laughs> I'm going first. Okay. Perfect. And then Charles and then me. All right. Got a couple stories for you tonight. The first one comes from one of our listeners. Hey. Ooh, name? Name, Corbin 18 Oh, I've seen her around. So you can go check out her Instagram. I've seen that. Um, <laughs> but, Jess? Uh, yep. A, thank you, Jess. Yeah, yeah, Jess. Shout out. Um, and this experience came from her sister, <laughs> who used to live up in Logan, Utah. Whoa. So it's pretty close to home. So first of all, shout out Jess. Thanks for the story. What happened? So they uh, all live up in Logan, Je or her sister Sydney and a couple of friends. They decide that they're going to go camping one night. They head up this canyon called Green Canyon close to Logan, Utah. Now, it was Sydney, Jess's sister, and um, two of her friends who she named M and K. So they head up in two different cars and they get to like kind of this end point within the canyon where there's a campground where like a bunch of different camping spots that you could stop at. And they go all the way to the back. It sounds like it's kind of like a loop where it would kind of loop around and go back out. So they stop near the back of this canyon and kind of go off of the road just a little bit, like a good 50 yards to set up their camp. They set up camp. 
and this is kind of nine o'clock in the summer, so it's kind of still a little bit light out. But while they're like headed up here, all of a sudden all they see like this bright flash of light. And it's not stormy out. There's no clouds or anything. So in the they're in the two cars and Sydney, I guess, calls M and was like, Did you see that? They both saw it, so like both of them saw this this thing happen. And it kind of freaks them out, but they just continue. It's like maybe it was a like a rogue lightning bolt or something like that. They don't know. <laughs> so uh, they set up camp. They have a couple of their friends that are coming though. It was a. Did they? Do you know if it was like a flash in the sky or if it was like a flash from like a single source, like a flashlight? It sounded like a flash from a single source. Okay. Because they didn't see like a lightning bolt. That's why they're like maybe it was something that was out of our view and that's what it was. Hmm. But that's what it sounded like. So they set up camp. They have a couple of their friends that are supposed to be coming, but they're still a little bit late. They uh, end up talking to them on the phone, and they're about a half hour away still. Now, they've strategically set up their campsite so that they could see like the entrance to these campsites where you could see a car coming up the canyon or leaving the canyon so that they could like see their friends coming. It starts to get a little bit darker, and all of a sudden, they see this car coming up the canyon now it's not been a half hour since they talked to their friends so they're pretty sure that it's not them but they're like okay well other campers like this is a bunch of different campsites they'll probably stop somewhere else now this car comes up the canyon and comes around to where their cars are at and kind of just stops and then turns off the lights now, at this point, it's dark, so they can't really see the truck that apparently has just pulled up is just beyond where the firelight gets. Are you scared at this point? Me? I'm more like not really scared because I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like maybe it's another camper who's lost. Couple making out. Couple making out or someone who's just trying to like find a campsite. I don't know. Like yeah. I'm not creeped out just yet. And they said that they weren't really creeped out just yet either. But when they flipped off the lights, all of a sudden it just kind of went silent. So they could hear just the crackling of the fire and the rumbling of the engine of the truck. Then this truck kind of pulls up a little bit further closer towards where their cars are at and then flicks off the engine. So they've stopped the car now. And like I was saying, they can't see the truck or who's in it they just hear it inching closer well at this point they hear it turn off yeah, yeah. and the thing is though that whoever is in this truck can definitely see them because they're all around this campfire just illuminated for them to see mm-hmm. so m kind of speaks up and yells at the truck and is like hey how's it going do you need any do you need any help or anything no answer and after a couple of seconds they see the door open because it's kind of illuminated by the little light that's inside the truck. They see a dark figure kind of slip outside the truck, close the door, light goes off. So for another second, it's silent. And in another second, he, they kind of speak up again. It's like, hey, can we help you? No answer. And it's just silent now with the crackling of the fire. They can't hear 
whoever it was walking around. Then after a couple more seconds, they see the back of the SUV kind of pop up and like the inside light go on again. And then the door closes and they hear a click. Now, at this point, they're freaking out. No one's answering them. They know someone's out there. So they kind of rush to the car, uh, to M's car. They all get in and he kind of like pulls back a little bit towards this other car and leans out the window and is like, hey, do you need help? No answer. And now they can't see anyone around this other vehicle either. So they kind of talk amongst themselves briefly, really quickly, and they decide we need to get out of here. But we can't just leave our fire going. We have to put it out, you fools. We have to put it out. And um, Sydney, Jess's sister, was like, I don't want to leave my truck here either. So I want to grab my truck. So they decide this. And all of a sudden, they jump out of the car to the run to the campsite, like put out the fire, grab as much stuff as they can. And run back to the vehicles. Now you're in the dark with this fool. <laughs> now they're in the dark. And they jump in the cars. M takes his car or truck a little bit closer to where Sydney's is, lets her get out, and she jumps in her car. And then all of a sudden they peel out and start leaving the canyon. Once they get out of the canyon, and it sounded like Sydney was in the car by herself because she kind of had some time to think about, like, what had just happened. But once they get out of the Canyon, they get to a gas station and they get out and they start talking amongst each other and they call the other friends as well that were on their way. That's what I was saying. I was like, dude, call your friends dog. So yeah, yeah. They call their other friends as well. And they're like, Hey, don't come up. We're coming back down. But they get out of the car and start talking And Sydney, I guess uh, in Jess and Sydney's family, they're hunters and like they have firearms around the house and stuff like that. And it occurs to Sydney that the click that they heard was, the sound of a magazine being loaded into a gun. And then one of the other friends, Kay, was like, hey, I didn't want to say anything while we were still up there, but when we ran to go and put out the fire and get all of our stuff, I saw someone watching us in the bushes. So they all get into one car at this point. We're going to leave this car, and we're just going to all go together. We'll come back for it later. They head back down home and meet up with their other friends, And they tell them, tell their parents as well. And their parents were like, you should probably call like non-emergency hotline or something like that. But to this point, they never knew what it was. And the strange thing too is the light that they'd seen flash before coming up in the canyon. It it occurred to her at that point, maybe it was that of a gunshot. Because it was kind of getting dark at this point Hmm. where they would have seen something like that. Or like, I don't know, explosion or something. I don't know. Mm. but they all made it out alive. Hmm. And then M was like, when we were running the car, you had a red dot on your chest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Those stories to me are like the scariest, but also like the most blue ball in a way. It's like, it could have been the worst and we'll never know. It's true. Yeah. Like it could have been just a, an elderly dude who lost his wife, who wanted to spread the ashes of his, his wife on the, on a quiet hill where they first met for a first date. <laughs> or it could have been some dude loading a magazine into his gun was going to shoot him. Cut him up in his kitchen and make I mean, lamp- lampshades with their skin. Either way, whoever it was was being hella creepy. Yeah. Like someone's calling out to you and you're just not answering. Yeah, that's definitely 
malintent. That's what it seems like to me, yeah. And then, like, staying hidden? Bruh. Also, like... Sus mode 1000. (laughs) Unspoken rule, but especially amongst, like, hunters and outdoors people, it's just, like, you make yourself known. You know what I mean? You, you, like, make others aware Mm -hmm. you're in their space. Wear bright colors and communicate. Yeah, Yeah, usually you'd holler over and, like, wave. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But it is when you said they were hunters, they were campers, I kind of had got that feeling from them if they're like a group of young people going to camp on their own. Mm-hmm. And it must have been pretty scary for them to decide to leave. Yeah, because, because you would have been... Usually, you, you hear a ton of things out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to make that call, to pack everyone up. Well, and I believe that Kay had a gun in her car as well. Packing. Yeah. So, like, they were prepared and they still had to get out of there well the other thing is they also lost whoever it was that was in the vehicle because they couldn't see him once they backed up towards that other car mm-hmm. so yeah that's terrifying in and of itself but like the creepy thing to me too is how often does this kind of thing happen and then we get out safe because when you don't realize or when you don't realize or you get that feeling because what comes to my mind is that one time when we were down in hobble creek canyon uh mm-hmm. yeah bro that was that was mostly between you two but like all of us were down to just leave when you guys got that feeling mm-hmm. to all of our listeners we were down in hobble creek canyon one time and charlie and Deej both got this creepy feeling to get out of there it doesn't sound really crazy when i tell it because it's really just a it's like one of those it's like you had to be there but i remember like how palpable it was like i couldn't shake like the feeling Mm-hmm. And the fact that Charles and I got it at the same time and we both looked at each other. In fact, I had a recent experience with my girlfriend. Um, not a bad feeling about her, but. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. With, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who's in the studio tonight? <laughs> Sitting in the background. Shout out Mal. <laughs> um, but since quarantine has been happening, one of our favorite things to do is just to go on drives. Nice. Just explore, like drive through the canyon or drive to the lake and Dope. just not even go to somewhere specific. Just drive with nowhere in see mind. See what happens. Yeah, see what happens. I mean, with gas prices, like you're good. You Dude, gas not right to, now is so cheap. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but we were in a town called Salem, Mass? which is Maine. Yeah, about a half an hour south of Provo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was like two in the morning. <laughs> And we're driving through these super nice neighborhoods, big houses, and we're driving deeper and deeper into the mountains. And maybe 10 months ago, there was a huge fire there Mm. and it lasted like two days. Yeah. And I remember- Like people had to evacuate. It Mm -hmm. was big. Mm -hmm. And we were in that exact area. In fact, all the houses had walls of sandbags. Like that was their protection from the fire. No, if you could call it that but um we're just looking around all the trees are dead and it's also like the end of winter when we were on this drive all the trees are dead and we see this small road that looks like a canyon road but it's tiny and it's the pavement wasn't smooth it was, it was like old pavement i don't know how to describe it like it looked like there's like a lot of potholes and whatnot and we Went in, no street lights. It was almost pitch black. And as soon as we went in, immediately, and I'm not one to 
get scared at things like this, especially if I'm in my car, you know, and neither is my girlfriend. But as soon as we went down this road, we both said to each other, no, this is not good. <laughs> like wow. we shouldn't, we shouldn't be here. So we immediately turned around and, and well, left. Have you seen a scary movie? <laughs> 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 that was probably a good move. But it was, I couldn't shake it. Mm. And because of it, you're here with us today. Hmm. Who knows? Man. And actually, a few weeks later, we went back, but during the daytime. Smart, smart. On, uh, another one of our drugs. <laughs> Nothing. We couldn't find anything. But Dang, yeah. dude. That's pretty creepy, though, like getting that same feeling at the same time, like same thing that you and Charles had that one time. Hmm. That's what kind of creeps me out, like the the close calls where you get the feeling, but we have stories like this. We also have stories that aren't like this where mm-hmm. that person probably didn't feel follow that feeling. A hundred percent of the time, if it's more than me, I'm acting on it. Oh yeah. Like if another person in the group is like, bro, I don't know. Then I'm like, all right, we're done. Let's go. Yeah. I like that. It's like, that's, that's a, a good, good rule. rule we have. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Nice. But thank you, Jessica, for the story. I have another one oh! also out in the woods. Perfect. <laughs> it is based around an old, Cherokee legend. Hells yeah. And a camper who allegedly had an encounter. For our patrons, you'll hear this story. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus story or episode this week. There you go. So for everyone just listening, that means I'm up. But for our patrons, sit tight. Have either of you heard of anything called a wampus cat? I'm up. Sean. Yo. What is the call of the void? Oh, okay. The call of the void is when you're standing at the top of a cliff and you get the urge to just jump. Or when you're just driving down the freeway and see a median and just have the urge to swerve right into the median. Essentially, it's the call of death. And this happens to people who aren't suicidal, who are completely sane, and they can't explain it. Almost like a small voice telling them to do that. I have had the call of the void before. <laughs> I mean, I've had things where it's like, I wonder what it'd be like if you just, and you're like, no, 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 what do I, what, yeah, what are you no, Stop. Stop, I don't want to die. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So, I got a lot of my information about the topic i'm going to talk today about from a couple different things and i'll cite that at the end but we're going to talk about the modoc and the klamath native americans okay. oh okay we going up into into oregon pacific northwest bro <laughs> I was, yeah damn how'd you know that you're too good okay over seven thousand years ago there was a great battle between two gods one was the god of the below and one was the god of the above the god of the above was named skell and he was god of everything light and beautiful and there was another god named lao who was the god of everything dark and everything bad lao was a huge mountain and he looked on the klamath native americans and saw the daughter of the klamath chief and fell in love with her And he approached her and she turned him down and shunned him. 
because he was ugly and from the below. And this angered Lao so much that he vowed to destroy all the Klamath and Modoc people. So he started to rain down fire and ash over all the land. And so he would spew, the mountains started to spew ashes and literally blacked out the world for several days in fire and rock. Now the Klamath people and the Modoc people cried unto scale to protect and save them. And he took pity on them. And he started to go to battle with Lao. So a huge battle ensued. And it raged on. And during the battle, two of the Klamath Native American shaman, in order to save the rest of their people, offered themselves up as sacrifice. Ran up the mountain and hurled themselves into the volcano. And doing that, Scale was compelled to fight even harder and smashed Lao so hard down into the earth. There was a huge eruption, explosion, madness, fire. When it all cleared, there was a huge crater. And this crater was so enormous. And Lao, or Scale, pardon me, Scale wanted to make it a place of beauty and remembrance, filled it with water and snow. And this this whole crater fills with water. And all you can see, he like pulled out Lao's heart, chopped them all up, but he left his head. And so in the middle of this big, gigantic lake, you can see the top of Lao's head in the middle with the crater on top of the mountain. Now this place was viewed by the Native Americans as a passageway between hell and heaven, the below, the above. And scale was the devil. And this is, this is, or not scale, Lao was the devil. And this is basically where he's trapped. So if you want to communicate with him, this is where you go. This place is held in the highest reverence by the Native Americans. You're not even supposed to go there unless you yourself are like emotionally, spiritually prepared. So men would make this Mecca up to the, up to this beautiful lake and they'd stare into the water and they'd come back with like honor and, and wisdom to share with everyone. But they also are very, very hesitant because this is the passageway to the below. And so they are very skeptical and hesitant about visiting this place. Yeah, they don't want to be near. If you don't, if you're not prepared to go, they say that the waters can put you in a trance and they will lead you away down to destruction. So, what lake am I talking about, Sean? Is that uh, the Crater Lake? It is indeed. Nice. So, Crater Lake, Oregon. Southwest Oregon. The reason I'm talking about this is I was hanging out with my wife's cousin's husband, Brenton. Shout out Brenton and Dom. And we were chatting, and he's from Oregon. And uh, like any conversation I'm always ever in, scary stories come up. And Brenton goes, bro, have you heard about Crater Lake? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I will never go there. Hmm. And that's the sentiment of a lot of people. Like a lot of people who know the history and, and the going ons of Crater Lake legitimately are hesitant going there. So Crater Lake has gone through many, many names, a ton of different names. And it, it only became Crater Lake like later on. The mountain that used to be there, that used to be Lao, was a 12,000 foot mountain that is no longer there. 
because it exploded. <laughs> it is the deepest lake in North America. It's almost 2,000 feet deep. Up until like recent history, they, they legitimately thought it was without end. They didn't think there was a bottom. There's no streams that lead to it or away from it. This causes like the distinct clarity in the water. Like when people see it, they legitimately are like mind blown because the water's so clear, so blue, calm. They don't understand like how it can be. And it's home to a couple of interesting physical landmarks. So in researching this subject, I'm just going to brush the top because there's so effing much. There's Bigfoot, UFOs, murders, kidnappings, suicides, lights, spirits, hauntings, ghosts, Native American folklore, literally everything about this place. So we're just going to touch a couple. So first thing that is weird about the Crater Lake is something they call the old man of the lake. And the old, what the old man of the lake is, is a log that floats in the lake, which isn't too weird, except this log floats perfectly vertical. It never gets stuck. It never beaches. And they don't understand why it does that. So it's about 35 feet long. Back in like the 1800s, some geologists or like um, scientists became like super obsessed with studying this thing and tracked its movements. And he said it doesn't follow a pattern and it can travel up to four miles a day just around the lake. And the legend is that it is the guard of the lake. It guards the portal to the below. So a couple hundred years ago, I don't quite know how long ago, but it was a really long time ago. Scientists wanted to study the lake further. They wanted to put in a submarine into the craters so they could, or into Crater Lake so they could like go around. But they were worried that the old man of the lake would be a hazard. So they got it and they tied it up near the second feature that we'll talk about, which is Wizard Island. So they tie it up and they're getting ready to start their exploration. The second they tie up the old man of the lake, huge storm clouds form over the lake out of nowhere. And these scientists are baffled. And it literally is just around the lake. Have you ever been there, any of you? Sean has? Yeah. Oh! Mal's been there. I have not. But I've heard about Crater Lake. and I've heard about the the old man of the lake as well, actually. So, Crater Lake is stunningly beautiful. So, these clouds form over the lake. They freak out. They know it shouldn't make sense, but they get a feeling to untie the old man. They untie him. Clouds go away. Who knows? Wizard Island. The Klamath Native Americans believed that Wizard Island is the location where souls are banished. So once your soul is banished there, you take the form of a salamander with wings. (laughs) And that's where they stay. So a lot of different sightings on Wizard Mountain have happened There was a park ranger who was driving her truck and she sees a fire with 10 people standing around it. And it was outside of the designated campgrounds area. So she pulls over. She can see the fire, parks her car, gets out of her car, starts walking towards these fires, and they're all gone. Fire is completely gone. So she runs up. There was like 10 people around there. No one's there. This spooks her out. So she jumps behind a tree, calls a partner and listens to two other rangers come out and they search the whole area. There's no signs of humans and no signs of fire at all. Like not even the smell. A lot of the times the rangers say they'll look out onto wizard Island and they'll see a fire on wizard Island with no smoke. 
Like no smoke's coming up. Just a random small small fire. Okay. I think there's been two reports of Bigfoot being killed. Both of them were at Crater Lake. One of them was a car accident. It was reported that the rangers had been chasing a large primate that smelt terrible and it had gotten hit by a car and that they had a body. But unknown government officials showed up and quickly took the body. So like that's one, it's like all sighted. The other one, there was a large primate looking thing that gets hit by a train, but the guy conducting the train didn't report it for a long, for like a week because he was intoxicated at the time. <laughs> so by the time they got back, it had been, the body was gone and yeah, been cleaned out by like animals and things. Okay. Those are all, there's like a thousand weird things. People are legitimately afraid of this place. Like some people will not go there. Uh, back in 1975, there was a kid named Charles McCooler, something like that. I don't know. Sorry, bro. <laughs> anyway, he tells his parents, Hey, I'm going to, he's an amateur photographer. So he's like, I'm going to go get these amazing shots. It's snowing, jumps in his car, heads over to, to Crater Lake, never to be seen again. So they send people out to find him. Can't find him. Very sad. A while later, hikers are hiking along a ridge and they look down into a valley and they see someone just like leaning against a tree and they think it's weird. So they tell the rangers, the rangers come back, they're looking down and they see this person stand leaning against a tree. Well, they go down to inspect and what they find, they simply can't explain. It's Charles's body, the photographer, except his clothes were set up in a way that it looked like he was there, except he was missing all of his body except for his feet those were the only body parts there there was no skull no bones no blood no flesh just his feet just his feet and his clothes set up in a way that made it look like he was leaning against a tree his camera was there he had like expensive stuff there all his gear was there all his clothes was there do you know if his feet were like i think they were exposed and so his shoes were gone and that's why they thought it was weird and it wasn't an animal because animals like don't mess with shoes. They have no reason to like mess with your shoes. <laughs> Did he have or like put up clothes on a tree? Unusually large <laughs> feet? Uh, I don't think so. Like maybe big feet? Uh, <laughs> you're grounded. Did you really into feet, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so all of that's whatever makes me feel. I would drown myself in the lake if I was one of those rangers, dude. I'll be right back. <laughs> Give me a minute. I'm going to visit my friend. Uh, what's his name? Lau. Lau. <laughs> DJ, it's funny you say that. Oh, shit. Because the most truly terrifying experience about this lake, the most, the scariest thing about this lake is its call of the void and the countless examples of suicide at this lake. So many people who everyone describes as loving life, having nothing wrong, not a care in the world, hiking down the path, turn, walk right into the forest, shoot themselves in the head. Happens all the time. Shoot themselves in the head? Uh-huh. The scariest one is a story about Mr. Cornelius. And this has multiple witnesses. Dude, fudge me up. 1974, <laughs> Mr. Cornelius and his wife, happy couple, 
happy marriage are hiking along when Mr. Cornelius freezes in his tracks and slowly turns to look at the shimmering beauty of the lake. His wife tries to get his attention. What's going on? What's happening? What are you doing? You stopping? He ignores everything. Later, she says, it was like he was legitimately in a trance and nothing was break his focus. Mr. Cornelius reaches into his shirt, takes his stuff out. He's like taking his wallet and things like that and calmly sets them on the ground by his wife. She's like, what are you doing? Freaking her out. He then walks to the ledge and jumps off in front of his wife. Obviously, she screams. She runs to the edge to see what happened to her husband, and he's fallen down this cliff. But he's alive. So she looks over the edge at her husband, screaming, I'm sure, only to see his broken body. He's grabbing the ground and drags himself into the lake where he drowns. So he kills himself by dragging his broken body into the lake. Hiker saw it. The wife saw it. No explanation. Only that something happened to him as if he was in a trance. and He leapt off the cliff and killed himself. That experience isn't unique. There's like a list of suicides that are like that. Where they'll be hiking. People say one person in the group just stops, turns, and jumps on a cliff. Like there's a guy who they don't, they won't release his name. It's like kind of recent. He rented snowshoes and he's like, I'm going to do the rim. And they follow his tracks. His tracks go along the rim. They stop, they turn, and then they're gone. There's no more tracks. So they assume he must have fallen down like the thousand foot cliff. They search the whole area, climbers, skilled climbers, all the rangers. They can't even fi- find his snowshoes. They snir- search the lake. They like do scuba diving. Nothing. He's like disappeared. And there's like a whole long list. There was a really sad one about a mom taking a photo with her kids. And I can't remember who, so I'm literally just telling it off memory. But I think one of her kids just turned and jumped. Like while they were taking a family photo. Ugh, that's dark, dude. So I'm barely scratching the surface with Crater Lake. If you guys have any stories out there, please throw them to us. If anyone's going to visit Crater Lake, just keep a close eye on your loved ones. <laughs> if anyone's acting weird. That's terrifying, dude. The imagery of his broken body just like grabbing himself and dragging himself in the lake. Yeah, and his dude. wife just being like, what are you doing? <laughs> What's in the air there? What's in the water? I don't know. Apparently beautiful it is beautiful it's like stunningly beautiful deceptively beautiful i don't know man i don't know but there are some people who like won't go there they're like nope i refuse it's just one of those places dude hearing that sometimes is almost enough like if you didn't tell all the stories following when your cousin was telling you dude i will not go there yeah I know that for some reason that like that warning, I was like, Ugh. yeah, especially from him. Cause he doesn't seem like he's someone who's superstitious nope. or like is scared really in any way. Mm-hmm. So to hear him talk about this, he was passionate, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, that's me tonight. That's fun. Thanks man. Um, ready to close this off with the last little bit of stories. All right. So this first one, little bit of backstory 
my girlfriend's father passed away of cancer when she was seven or eight. So pretty young. But over time, I guess, as sad as it was, and as much as it hit their family, having a single mother for a few years until she married again, and everything kind of coming back to somewhat normal, as sad as all of that was, her and her siblings are still able to kind of like make jokes about it. <laughs> like they'll make they'll make dead dad jokes pretty frequently. <laughs> and I guess that's how do you little, f- how do you feel about that? I I mean, I feel like all of us in this group at very at the very least tolerate dark humor. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. I think it's part coping mechanism, part optimism. <laughs> yeah. Part no. actually have dark humors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's things in each of our lives that like are very dark or things we've been through. And as a testament to how like good of our friendship is, we make fun of each other for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like we said before, it's it's for us and our friend group, it's brought us closer mm-hmm. to know each other's secrets and be comfortable enough to not only talk openly about it, but bag on each other <laughs> <laughs> about it. Um, and it's all, I think... And good timing. You know, there's time and place for everything. So with that being said, about maybe a month, month and a half ago, we were hanging out at my girlfriend's place. We invited some friends over to come and watch a movie. And one of our really good friends brought over one of their friends who we've never met before. She seems pretty cool. She's talking. And all of a sudden... Our mutual friend, the close one, the close one, says to <laughs> says to my girlfriend while pointing at the friend she brought, "Hey, her dad died too. You guys would probably get along, <laughs> knowing <laughs> no, uh, I'll, giving her that connection, right? Giving there. her the space. She knows like the humor. She knows." We're close enough where she's also making these jokes. That's still ballsy. Dog. It's still it's pretty ballsy. But there was no offense taken from either of the girls, so they're cool. They're cool with each other, and they actually kind of connect. <laughs> <laughs> so successful connection made. It's like OK Cupid for lost ones or something. Yeah. <laughs> Widowers only. <laughs> Or widows only. (laughs) Um, So my girlfriend says to this new girl, she says, she says at first, I'm sorry to hear about that. And the new girl says, oh, that's totally fine. I happened a long time ago. She says, how did, how did your dad die to my girlfriend? Good hell. I would be like, I need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And my, my girlfriend says cancer. And my girlfriend returns the question says, how did, how did your dad die? <laughs> and the whole room is just like silent <laughs> listening Ooh. into this conversation. But they're both fine. So we're all trying to be fine too. <laughs> and the new girl says, well, do you want the truth or do you want to lie? <laughs> what an intriguing way to state that. <laughs> I know. And she's up, all but... smiles. <laughs> and my girlfriend says, whatever you're most comfortable with. <laughs> and... She doesn't say if she's telling the truth or the lie, but she continues to just tell the story, tell a story. And she says, well, my dad got stabbed in the back 50 times. And we're sitting there 
it's pretty tense. <laughs> Obvious elephant in the room. And somebody asks, so was that the truth? <laughs> or was that the lie? Dear God, please tell me. <laughs> and she says, that's the truth. Holy shit. What happened was her father was going on a first date, single father, going on a first date with this woman. They get back to her place, and later that night, the woman's ex-husband came in and killed both of them. Crazy. That's all that happened. So we all just sat there in the room hearing the story, and... What do you say to that? <laughs> like, all right, let's go watch the movie we were planning on watching tonight. <laughs> it's called Stabbed in the Back. I mean, um, <laughs> I saw what you did last summer. <laughs> um, that's pretty much the story. Jeez but <laughs> Louise. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. A little it's bit funny of- how for like some people that would be like so soul crushing, deflating, and some people are like intrigued and like, would ask more questions. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's not much else to it. She told the climax and the the build up, and you know, there there it is. Um, and now that I come to think of it, I think it was only after she told that she asked my girlfriend, "So, how did your dad die?" <laughs> and my girlfriend was like, "Uh, cancer." <laughs> like fighting whose death was more. <laughs> Uh, Definitely brings a new meaning to like my dad can beat your dad up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Anyway, so that's the episode. (laughs) No, that's a short one. I I got got another one. So So the other story comes from a man named Morty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shout out. Uh, Morty lives around the eastern Sierra Nevadas. Which sounds like Reno to me, mm. but we were all there. Uh, how long ago? Eight months ago or so. It was in July, July twentieth. Okay, when we went to Tahoe. Yeah, we went to Lake Tahoe. Remember how Sean drove twelve hours to hang out for twelve hours? Yeah. You drive. said I wouldn't, bro. <laughs> and then he drove back twelve hours. That's how we get Sean. We say you won't, and he he does it. He in fact does. Yeah. No, it was a great time. We spent three days there out on the lake, uh, soaking up the sun, on the this beautiful dock, just jumping off the dock into the water, just hanging out with all our friends, campfires at night and hiking and swimming during the day. But it's a heavily forested area and Morty frequents there, frequents these mountains from spring until late fall. And he takes his trail dogs with him. The whole time in the story, he talks about his trail dogs and how they're so experienced. And at the end, he talks about, or he, he says that his dogs are dashins. Dachshunds? Is it Dachshunds? Yeah. Da- I thought it was... Dashhuds? Anyway, they're the hot dog dogs. It's Dachshunds. Oh, wiener dogs? Oh, yeah, the wiener dogs. That is um, so upsetting. It, well, I was looking a little more into it, and apparently they were originally, and still are, in some cases, bred to hunt, what? Like, sm- hunt like, like rodents. Mice? Badgers. What? Yeah. Badgers would F this these dogs. No, up. no. These go into the burrows and bring badgers out dead. Oh, uh, well, damn. Well, and, damn. I'll believe it when I see it. That's yeah, I know. I know. 
because every everyone that I've seen in real life is just a house dog, you know, <laughs> not a Kinda killer. Waddles a little bit. Yeah, because badgers don't care. <laughs> but um, yeah, he has two of them, and they go with him up into the mountains every time he goes up. But he remembers one specific time he got a tip for a trail that he's never been on, and it had good reviews from whoever referred it to him. And the first part of this hike is really steep. So all the times he's been to the Sierra Nevadas, he's never been to this specific hike. So he's excited. He's going through. And as he's maybe about an hour in, he's completely covered by the forest. And he can't see maybe 30 yards ahead or behind or around him. And as he's walking further... It starts to get a little clear, and he can see something through the trees, and it reminds me of you, Charles, mm. um, about a month ago on your walk with MJ, and he can see like a structure, and he's slowly moving towards it, and he can see that it's a teepee, but without like the cloth around it, it's just the, the skeleton of it. So he, he approaches his teepee. And as he gets closer, he says that his dogs, who are typically running ahead of him, and he's constantly calling on them to to stop or to wait, they are now glued to his, his hip. And they're not running around. They're not happy. They're kind of quiet. He thinks it's weird. And as he's getting closer, you can see there's nothing there. And he actually has pictures that he sent of this teepee. There's nothing, just looking at it, there's nothing abnormal about it. But one of the worst parts, he says, is as I got closer to this tree, all sounds of the forest stopped. I couldn't hear any birds. I couldn't hear the air. I couldn't hear the wind. I couldn't hear any other animals that previously were present with me. It was just the sound of my footsteps and the sound of my dogs. So he gets there. He takes a few pictures. Uh, he feels there's a kind of like a thick, like the air is thick, but he decides to kind of just press on and leave this behind. And not even 50 yards after this teepee, he says the weight of the air was so heavy that he couldn't move forward anymore. And this experienced hiker, with his experienced dogs, decided to stop his hike right there and turn around. Going up to the teepee, he had a walking stick. And it was some a walking stick that he made himself out of aspen. And aspen isn't a type of tree, or isn't a tree that's native to that area. It's all kind of evergreen trees there. So he remembers right when he turns around that he left his walking stick back at the teepee when he took out his phone to take pictures. So he's already feeling very uncomfortable from whatever it is. And he says, oh, I'm going back anyway. I'll pick up my stick and we'll continue to, to head back. And when he gets to the teepee where he was taking pictures, and where he previously left his stick, 
he can't find anywhere. And Aspen, it's a it's a white the wood or the color of the wood is white. And amongst these evergreen trees that are brown and green, he can't find his walking stick anywhere. So the minute or so that he was away from his TP, he somehow lost it or something else might have found it. But that day he never saw anything. It was just the the feeling of the air. I don't know, the atmosphere there. Um it's either like a bad presence or he has a some serious undiagnosed asthma. <laughs> I was thinking that like what causes the air to just be heavy? Like to the atmosphere to be heavy around where you're at. Yeah. Did he have the pictures? Did he send you them? Yeah, you want to see them? <laughs> yes. Like I said, there looking at the pictures, there's not much really. It's just the teepee and there's nothing else. So there's nothing like inherently creepy about it. Like at least for me looking at it. It looks more creepy to me. Really? That those are just all like standing up there in the middle, like, but for no reason. There's no like canvas covering it. It doesn't look like a shelter unless it's in the process of being built, which could explain why his wood was gone. I don't know, dude. That looks more creepy to me because it looks like it doesn't like serve a purpose. Yeah. I don't know. Um, that's all I got. Sorry or not for that story. Sorry. Um, uh, I have one more. All right. This one comes from a dude named Crash. <laughs> yeah. Dope. It's good already. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you. Um, he's from New Jersey. and um, He would be. <laughs> he, he starts out. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like this Guido. Oh. <laughs> Laundry, tanning. Something. Mom's cooking. Mom's uh, cooking. And my name's Crash. Yeah. <laughs> Call me Crash. Like Crash into that. P- no, I'm <laughs> Sorry, I had to liven it up. Let's do this. Um, he starts off um, his story with To be honest, I don't know what I saw, but I have a distinct memory of seeing something. Hmm. So when he was a kid, they lived near a large wooded area. And the park was right outside of this this forest. And he said it was like a wall of trees. Right when you go past a tree line. Was this the Pine Barrens? Uh, no. The Pine Barrens is south New Jersey. Oh, okay. Um, because at first, I thought it might have been... Yeah, I'll get there. I'll okay, get there. okay. Um, but he lives in northern New Jersey. But right when you go past the tree line, it's... You're, you're covered in trees. Going to the park, he would always go with his family. Uh, he would all, His favorite thing was the monkey bars. Hey. Yeah. And um, as he grew a little older, getting closer to eight or nine years old, he started getting tired of the playground, and he became more interested in the forest. So there were a handful of times where he would kind of go off from the playground and his mom would catch him and be like hey come back and he would come back running back and every time his mom told him to come back only fueled his interest 
to venture further. Well, if you name your child forest, Crash, <laughs> you're gonna get a you little did asshole. This. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Crash, at this point, he finds his opportunity where his parents, both of his parents, aren't watching, and he slips away, and he makes a break for the tree line. And for the first time, he steps into this forest that he's grew, he grew up around this his entire life, but has never been in it. So he's excited and he goes maybe 20 yards in and he turns around and he cannot see the playground, can't see his family, he can't hear the kids playing. So he's in the, the thick of all of this. He continues to walk further into the forest until he hears a cracking of a branch ahead of him. And he stops and he listens. And as he stops and listens, it sounds like whatever was making that noise also stopped to listen to him. So after a little while, after there was some quiet, he thinks it's okay. He takes a few steps forward and... He's able to see through the trees. He says, I remember looking up and seeing no more than 20 yards ahead of me stood, well, something. It stood upright like a person, but instead of clothes, it had pale sand-colored fur. It was about nine feet tall and looked down at me with orange eyes. I wasn't scared by it, but I remember it stared at me. And in a distinct voice, it said, you're not supposed to be here. And at that moment, he turned around and walked straight back <laughs> to the playground. Say no more, fam. <laughs> Say no. I, I'm a head out. <laughs> but uh, he's never been back inside. He and his family continue to go back to that playground. And he never felt that desire to go back into the forest. <laughs> Which makes perfect sense, but nine feet tall—that's <laughs> terrifying. He was but what eight or nine when this happened? When you're nine, everything's nine feet tall. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, is what I'm thinking. But Bro, what if it was like his dad or something, <laughs> just dressed up in some something? Teach him a lesson. Like, you better be listening to your mom. You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> uh, okay. I didn't like the sand-colored fur. Yeah, that's kind of crappy hmm. that's weird to me i don't know bigfoot should be dark that's all yeah. i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like what else the bible says <laughs> <laughs> yeah just a handful of short stories cool man but creepy creepy but it's creepy hmm. how all of our stories had something to do with like the woods or like outdoors yeah pretty much Ooh, are we cutting it i'm cutting it we done that's it for me. All right, guys. That was fun. It's been a... Uh, it feels like it's been forever since we recorded. Yeah, it does, dude. <laughs> so it's nice to get back. Everyone out there, thank you so much. Send us your stories. We love it. Sean, thank you for the Patreon story this week. Yep. Hilarious. Go listen to it, y'all. <laughs> and yeah, with that, bye, love you, be safe. Be careful out there. Trust you gotta watch your back.
Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. I, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an Evergreen Podcasts, Killer Podcasts, and Slow Burn Media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows.